Welcome to the New Song Podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us today. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message from Stephen about Jesus and how much he loves you. If we can serve you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out to us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok by searching New Song CS. If you've been impacted by this message, join those who so generously give so we can reach more people with the story of Jesus. Visit newsongcs.com slash give or text the word easy to 94000. Now sit back uh, and enjoy this message. And all the, um, the gun warnings and all those things. He freaks out when he goes to school and they go to these places and the alarms. And, and so he's got a thing that he's a fascination with alarms and a fascination with um, alerts and storm watches and tornadoes and hurricanes and all of these things. He loves him, but he also hates him at the same time. And so when this started happening, I ran out to my car and I pulled it into the um, into safety under the shadow of God's wings, right? Good. My garage. And Jaden's following me out the door, and I'm not paying attention to him. And he starts to cry, and he's like, and everyone else is gone but me and him. And he's where are you? Yeah, he's crying, and I see him in while I'm pulling out of the driveway to pull back in. And he thinks I'm leaving him in the storm. He's screaming. He's looking, where are you going, Dad? Where are you going? And I don't want to over-dramatize it, but it was pretty uh, traumatizing to him. I stopped. I got out of the car, and he's out in the hail, and it's pretty, it's coming. It's kind of hurt. And I said, get, get, in, get in the garage. I'm coming in. And then he was okay. He realized, I'm coming back in the house and then when I got in I shut the garage and I said don't you know that I would not I would not leave you in the storm I'm not going to drive away I thought you were leaving me I thought you were leaving no I'm not going to leave you and he's crying and he doesn't really cry very often so I'm hugging him he never hugs back he calls me Steven sometimes which is weird he's calling me dad I think sometimes we call God whatever sometimes and we just need to say God and I'm not going to say daddy like we you know maybe you need to call him that but I know you're not leaving me God I look to you you are where my help comes from we look so many places my brothers my sisters we look places that we shouldn't look we look for love in all the wrong places we look for fulfillment in the wrong situations. We look for hope in the wrong. And then we come crying to our counselor or wherever and say, oh, I feel like things are just falling apart and I just, what is, what's going on? And I, and, and I don't want to belittle that, but I think the Lord would say to you, Father God would say in the personal way, Jesus would say, I'm here. Where were you looking? Did you, look at, did you look at my word one time this week? This is my word to you. I wrote all this stuff down ahead of time so that when you have your issues, you could go to it or just close your eyes and talk to me. I'm here. And then we say, oh, I feel I'm tired. I ruined it. And God says, did you, who are you looking to to get, you, to, to get restored, to get revived, to get re-energized, to get revitalized, to get repaired? Where are you looking God, I look to you. Are you listening to me? Don't, you don't have to, uh, but you understand? 
Don't look other places. Look to Jesus. To Jesus. Stop being weary in this place that's not fulfilling you. Come back to God and look to him. That's the word for you today. I want us to sing that just quietly. God, I look to you. And just kind of do it as an uh, apology sing song if you need to. A repentance song, God. Where else do I go but to you? What's the most important commandment? They asked him and Jesus said, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the, Everything else will take care of itself. I know there's a million laws in the Old Testament. That's what the people were wondering, which one of the million. And he said, just love God. Focus on him. Not on this, not on this, not on this. Focus on him. He wants to shake, I think. I don't think he would, but I sometimes want to shake people and say, look to him. If you're looking, let's just sing the song of, of repentance, of thanks. If it is for you, thanks. God, I look to you. You can just listen if you need to. God, I look to you. See things like you do, and God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. As your prayer today Heavenly Father and you don't have to say it out loud if it's just you just make sure you're speaking to Jesus Heavenly Father I look to you I'm sorry for the times that I look other places I know you would never leave me nor forsake me in my storms you are there Help me to love you with all of myself. It'll be on the screen in the version that you nor you recognize, um, but you might not recognize this. This has everything to do, it not, not meant to, but going into something else, but it has everything to do with what I was just talking about. God, I look to you. God, I look to you, and... Um, but, but I have problems doing that, God. Why do I have problems? It is obvious what kinds of life, what kind of life develops out of trying to get my own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. This is longer than this, so it's making sure... Uh, Eugene Peterson, who paraphrased the Bible in the message version, was speaking to people uh, in our day. This was a while back, but people that don't like listening to the Bible and, and, for, and forgot, forget to listen. He, he kind of goes a little bit more and sh shares a little bit more. 
It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way. Trinket gods, frenzy, joyless grabs, paranoid loneliness, competition, all-consuming, but never satisfied once. It's obvious what comes of these brutal tempers and importance to be loved. I want to be loved. Divided homes, divided lives, small-mindedness, lopsided pursuits. I could go on and on. In fact, I skipped some things there. Go back and read it in the message sometime. But he says, I could go on and on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, Galatians, Coloradoans, Americans. If you use your freedom to do crap like this, <laughs> you will never inherit my kingdom. You'll never make it to there. You'll never bring it to here. You'll never see it around you. You will never experience my fullness. But this is the good part. This is the part we all know. You like that? I memorized that in first grade. What happens when we live God's way? When I look to you, this is what happens. He brings gifts into your life. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others. I just don't seem to like people. What's wrong with me? Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. That's like peace. We develop a willingness to stick with things. What happens when we live God's way? This is what happens. We develop a willingness to stick with things. A sense of compassion in our heart. A conviction that a basic holiness, <laughs> at least a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in being loyal for a change. Commitments. Not needing to force our way in life, me, 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 and to marshal and direct our energies wisely when we live God's way. I, I said last week, and I'll say it again this week, I think God looks at his church sometimes and is like, ah, oh, why do you live so small? I'm sorry, God, but why do you live so small? You live, there's no difference between you and people that don't know me. When you know me, then God's purposes live through you, so you should be living bigger. How come you're living so small? And I wonder if we're building bigger churches to help more people live smaller lives, or are we building churches to help people live bigger lives with bigger purpose. And the bigger purpose is not that hard to understand. What's my purpose? What do I do? What's God's plan? What? I don't, I don't understand. Oh, God, show me your will. It's pretty simple, really. And I'm oversimplifying, but it is pretty simple. I was telling my daughter, you know, when you're looking at all of these decisions to make, it's pretty simple. Have fruit. Have fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience. When those start to come out, everything else takes care of itself because God cares more about who you are than where you are, what you're doing. He does. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring about 
this kind of life. We can't live by the Spirit. We can't have the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody smile. God's not mad at us. Let me just make sure. God, are you mad at me? I'm sorry. Forgive me for that and that. Yeah, okay, good. We're good. I don't know about you guys. Are you good with God? Do a little quick prayer. When I was a kid, I would pray like every like nine minutes, 19 minutes, depending on how mean the pastor was that week at church. Because I believed that the minute I did one bad thing, I'm going to hell right then. So I had to get my heart right. And maybe that's the way it is, but probably not exactly so extreme. But, um, but we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the only way that we can live by the Spirit, the only way we can um, have the fruit in our, our lives is by having the Holy Spirit. Can you put up that slide, live? We went through uh, three series. We went through lost. That was about uh, losing our life in death with Christ. Then we went to life, becoming alive in the resurrection. That was all the way through Easter, all the way up until pretty much now, uh, like a, few, a month ago or the yeah, sometime. And now we're going into live, um, living out a spirit-filled life. And I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer it out loud, but just think to yourself or point to the person next to you. But how many feel unqualified to like really live out um, a spirit-filled life? How many feel unqualified to produce goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, love, joy, peace, all of those in my life every day? How many feel unqualified? Well, I, without answering, I'll just answer for me. I feel, I feel unqualified to do that. Because we're not meant to live this way without God's help. We need God's help. Giving into the flesh is a small life. All those things we talked about, living your way, your wants, that's a small life. Living for the Spirit is a bigger life. Galatians 5.16 in the NIV says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Just think about that for a minute. God has planned for us a big life. Well, tomorrow I'll do that. When I get better, I'll do that. When things are different, I'll do that. No, he's talking right now today for all of us. Not tomorrow, not a Today, he wants us to start living bigger. What I mean by bigger is just bigger purpose. His purpose, walking in the spirit, what he wants. The fruit of the spirit, you all get that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word that you have to share with us today. Lord, I pray that we could live by the Holy Spirit. We could walk by the Holy Spirit, that we would ask for your help. Lord, we're sorry for trying to live in our flesh all the time, and it doesn't seem to work. Pray that we do better in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You know, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, we often talk about prophecy and, and tongues and speaking and, and healing and all those. And all of that is great. But if you don't get to the basics of what it means, yes, you can have these gifts in your life, but you got to have the fruit too. And I was planning to move on, but I felt like God said, no, you just wait. Let's talk about fruit a little bit longer. Because none of us, well, some of us rather eat chocolate than fruit. I do. That's me. If there's fruit in the fridge, it goes bad. 
because I'm looking in the cupboard for like some carbs or something. That's what I do. That's what we do. We love something beside, but when, but, but when you eat the fruit, you eat the vegetables, it supposedly helps your life, right? It makes you healthy. It actually really does. It really does. I want to do that more. I want to be better at that. But God wants us to live that way. I want to talk for a minute about a, a problem in the church in general. Could be a problem in our church. Who is the church? The church is the people. A problem in the people. And it's called, um, it's called orchard disease is what I'm, what I'm using the term orchard because it said in the message version um, when it was talking about an orchard, right? It called the fruits of the spirit um, an orchard. And um, let, me just, let me just reference it. But in the, what happens when we live in God's way? He brings gifts into our life much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Orchard disease happens slowly. I lived in L.A., and um, we lived in Orange County for a while. And why do they call it Orange County? Well, there are orchards of oranges. Anywhere that there's not a billion-dollar house, there's an orchard of oranges, okay? So there's billion-dollar houses and then orchards of oranges. It sounds like a wonderful place to live. But guess what else there is, right, Seth? There's a lot of traffic, a lot, a lot, a lot of traffic, and, um, but there's nothing like walking through an orchard where Disneyland used to be an orchard, and, and, and Walt Disney walked through it, and he envisioned roller coasters. But I've walked through orchards in Orange County, and they smell great. It's amazing. But there's nothing worse, and I haven't, this hasn't actually happened to me, but nothing worse than walking through an orchard, right? You would agree with me. Walking through an orchard and um, not seeing any trees or dead trees, or no oranges on any of the trees. Where are the oranges? I was looking. I just wanted one orange. Can't find one, right? Ooh, that was that was um, meaningful. I didn't realize what I was even doing walking through the orchard. I didn't see one orange. There's nothing worse than that. And then it would be nothing worse than smelling like they're rotten, like the fruit had rotted, like they used to have fruit, but then. Where did they go? They're on the ground and they're smashed and there's worms and, and oh, what's going on? Orchard disease is when your garden of trees is not producing fruit, namely the fruit of the Spirit, happens very slowly. Faithful, oh, that's, that's one of the fruits. Um, what's, what's that? Faithful, I don't know that one. Kindness, goodness, oh, um... I don't have, I'll leave that to the Middlebrooks. You can do the kindness good. Hey, we, you could come to our church. They're kind. Um, um, joy, oh, that's for people. I, I have problems, so I'll have joy one day, but not right now. It's joy's not happiness, by the way. Joy is through, in the midst of your issues, you find fulfillment in God. You find a way to have some joy. I would rather just be done because I don't want to go any further. This is a tough one. But we find ourselves doing more complaining than complimenting. That's how it plays out when there's no fruit. We find ourselves feeling sorry for ourselves instead of being thankful for what we have. That's a 
result of no fruit. I feel sorry for myself. We find ourselves criticizing others instead of taking the giant piece of wood out of our eye. We find ourselves being judgmental and being mental at the same time. We find ourselves, um, you, get it, you get the point. So it's, it's perspective. It's all about perspective. And um, one perspective that's great. We'll have this at times, right? No hailstorms for me this week, figuratively. How can I worship you more, God? Can you have us, can we have more songs, more worship? I love to worship. When our perspective is mixed up, we say, me, what is in this for me? What can I get for myself? What can I have for me? That's a perspective thing that we have problems with. Three common ways orchard disease happens. I'm going to get very specific. And I'm planning to step on every one of our toes today, okay? I'm preaching, so I, I kind of, I'm not stepping that much on mine, but still a little bit, a little bit. Because I, I, I already, I know what I'm dealing with. I'm, I'm talking to you. But I'll say we, just to help you. I'm going to step on your toe just real, just so that it doesn't hurt when I actually do it, Okay. Um, orchard disease plays out in many ways in the church. Um, should I say the church or our church? Because the church sounds better for what I'm doing, but I'm going to really our church. Okay? Orchard pl plays out in three ways specifically. And the third one is what I'm going to talk about today. And if you leave now, you can say, just tell me you're going to the restroom because then, <laughs> then we'll think that's what you're really doing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, attendance, giving, and serving. I want to talk about serving, but let's talk about attendance for a bit. Is always one of the most uh, that we have trouble with. It's hard with our important lives. Really is hard with our important lives to give God one hour out of 168 in our week. You know, we have 168 hours in our week, but our lives are so important, right? Oh, they're so important. And we have so much to do that we don't have time to give God one hour to corporately thank him for everything else he's done. We don't have one hour to uh, thank him for life, for breath, for family, for, every, for literally everything because we're busy, right? Then when things fall apart for that busy person and nothing seems to be in order, we wonder, oh God, what's going on? I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. It's like I was, you, you gave me one hour out of the last, yeah, uh, three weeks. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. If we can't give God a priority of a one-hour Sunday, and I'm speaking to everyone online too, then to take it off yourself. Not about you. Okay, all of us. If we can't give God, and, and we have exceptions, but don't write this note down. He said there's exceptions. Oh, there's exceptions. Good. Oh, there's exceptions. Yes, we all have exceptions. I'm sick. I'm this. My daughter is sick today. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to say, listen, did you hear this? And we're talking about attendance. And 
you're not at church and you led worship last week. Yeah, there's all kinds of, but forget about that for a bit. We might have things going on, but if we can't give one hour, I feel that borders on. I'm not going to read the scripture. Could you put it up there? The only other one I got, Revelation 3, 15 or something. It's a, it's a letter, another letter to the, revel, to the revelations, to, to the church in general. He says this. I think when you can't give God an hour a week, I think that borders on this scripture right here. All right, let's move on. Giving, or do you ever read it? And do you know what he says after that? What's in 16? I don't know what that means, but I hope that's not me, right? Giving is another sign of orchard disease. Although most of us find a way to give because we want to justify all the things we spend our money on, right? So I, usually that's a pretty good uh, for, the, for the church in general. Uh, for our church, we... You guys are great at giving. People that maybe don't even show up. I don't know who gives. I don't know what you give. Um, our, we have a treasurer. We pay her, and she looks at that, and we have a council that oversees the money. I don't know what each person gives, if you give or not. I don't, and that's, pro- that's good, right? That's probably good, or else we'd probably, because we're human, we'd be like, how come you go this, and how come you, yeah? So I don't know what you all give, but as a, as a body, we do pretty good. Even through COVID, we did pretty good. But giving is more than the act. This is something I could do better with because I just let it come out of my account. I don't sometimes forget, I forget it, that it's worship, that I'm doing this to show you, God, I care about you. I care so much that I care more about giving this than I do about buying my uh, meal here. So I, my, I might lose a meal here or there because I gave to you. I've always tithed my whole life. I've always gone... And this is not a pat on the back time, but I have always gone above and beyond my tithe. My tithe is always bigger than what I, get, what I make. And, um, and I say I, but Cynthia and I. And we do that on purpose because we don't want to cheat God. We want to be very careful. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm missing something somewhere, so I'm just going to give you more. And I will tell you, I will tell you like many, maybe everyone in the room has the same testimony. I've never gone without, and more than that, I always have more than I need. I do. I do all kinds of stuff, and I always have. I always have. I always have. God, I think there's a scripture that says, press down, shaken together, and running over. Test me in this and see if I might not fill up your buckets with more blessing than you can have. And not just blessing, but money blessing. Because I find money comes to me in weird ways, not even just through the church. It comes in many ways. And I'm like, where did this money come from? How did I get this? And, and I realize it's because I'm doing just a simple thing called tithing, giving to God. Okay, moving on to serving. What time is it? We're, almost, we're actually almost done, so you can relax. We'll come up with a song. If, it, if we have some worship people around, we'll come back. We'll, we'll sing. God, I look to you again, and we'll mean it from our hearts. It'll be great. Serving. The symptoms of orchard disease, um, one of them that I want to address more closely today, because one of the enemy's greatest tricks is to get us in our flesh, gratify our flesh, 
so we don't um, walk in the Spirit. And I said it, goes, it comes very slowly, very subtly. We don't even realize it. And before we know it, the enemy has got us tricked. Regarding serving, most of us serve in this church. Probably the people that need to hear this aren't here today. I don't know. But that most of us serve. And if you serve in an area, great. You're good. But make sure your heart is good. And you, maybe you need to be shaken about your heart. But when we get in our flesh, we'll say things like this when we serve. I'm burnt out. I need a break. I wrote this three weeks ago, so in case anyone said that today, because I heard that today. Three weeks ago. It's been, it's been, it's been simmering uh, since June. So, okay, so I'm burnt out. I need a break. I have too much going on. That's not my gift. I am tired. Although there's exceptions, I hear these things, and this is the, the flesh speaking in us when we say this. I'm going to talk especially in ministry regarding our children, okay? This also has to do with cleaning ministries. This has to do with um, uh, Worship, everyone likes to be on the worship team, so it's easy to get our worship team for the most part. You're very faithful. Good job, sister, but sometimes it's hard to get up here every week, but some of you, yeah. Um, other ministries in the church, um, uh, the atrium, the uh, counseling, the food distribution, the, 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 most of them are doing good. I wanted to talk about kids' ministry for a minute because we often say this in our church. Um, I say this from the front. Oh, we care about kids so much. They're our priority. We put kids first. They're most important to us because they are the future. But we can say that. We can stand up. and we can. But until we stand behind it, uh, we're lying. We're hypocritical. I'm being hypocritical by saying, uh, oh, they're number one to us. What you would not know is we as a church body put, when we, what, you would not know we as a church body put kids first if you see behind the scenes. When you see the difficult task it is to keep our ministry staffed weekly with people who invest in them. These kids, these people are the only ones that will carry on Jesus after us. Most of you will die soon. And I say soon, I mean in the next 20, 30 years. Most of us, maybe 30 years, yep. These kids will stay around. They need Jesus. We typically ask a volunteer. I'm just going to get real practical here. In any ministry in our church, sometimes it gets a little bit more in some of the other ministries, but in kids' ministry, one hour a month. One hour a month. Not a week. 168 hours in a week. One hour a week wouldn't be too bad. I, in any church I've been in, I've been in a lot of... Uh, Churches with a lot of services, and almost any church I've been, I, I serve four hours a weekend, even if I'm not uh, working at the church. And then I have other ministry things I have to do because I have to attend a small group, go to discipleship class, and, and then and if you don't do it, I, I've been kicked out of a couple of discipleship classes in my day because I'm like, I'm done, all right, church. So I'm, I'm overboard here at this church. I don't want to put burden on people, although I probably should do a better job of 
just throwing it on you, but we try to do one hour a month. Sometimes it goes a little over. Sometimes it does. When I say one hour, church takes about an hour. You get to church, you eat your cookies, you eat your coffee, you eat all your free stuff, and then you go and do your thing, and then you leave once the, everyone leaves, and it's, it's an hour of your week, hour and a half, hour of your month. We typically ask that. Church could be known for taking advantage of people's times, but we don't. So if you are out of gas, this is the part I want you to hear the most out of the sermon, okay? One page. And I'm sticking to my notes so I don't get off and, you know, speak in the flesh. I'm just speaking from what the Spirit told me to speak. Um, if you say you're out of gas, you're tired, you're out of energy to serve God as a volunteer in your family of believers, then may I ask you to check where you are getting your fuel from. You know, I'll go to a certain gas station. I go to the same one every time because I, I'm skeptical of that gas station. What if their fuel is bad, right? So make sure you know where your fuel is coming from. And more important, figure out where the leak is coming from. The fruit of the spirit leak, I like to call it. We need to look under everybody's um, hood and see where the fruit of the spirit leak is coming from, right? My son's car um, had a leak since we bought it, stupid thing. It's so expensive. It was way more expensive than I wanted it to be, but we wanted to get him something that he would like, and, and we told him he had to help us buy it, and so he's been helping us buy it. But we're still paying on it, even though we paid it off because something was leaking and it smelled like gas. We took it to the store, the place where they fixed cars, right? And they said, nope, nothing's wrong. I'm like, I think it's leaking gas. It smells like gas. It smells like a snowmobile when you're driving it. I mean, come on. Um, nine months later, I took it in for a brake problem. Um, and they said, um, oh, did you know, did, where did you take it last time? I said, to you. And they said, um, well, you have gas leaking, and it's coming up through the seat. Now it's, it's, it's sucked into the seat, and now you, you need to change the, the fuel um, thing, assembly, the fuel assembly, the blinker fluid, all of that. No, <laughs> I, I know what I'm talking about. I'm just playing around. You need to change the fuel pump, and um, it's, it's leaking, and, and it's make, making problems for you, and and I, w and I didn't even realize I'm, we're having all these problems with the car, and it's because of this. We wonder why we... Yeah, anyways. I told that just to get off the subject for a minute to relax you. But where's your leak coming from, the fruit of the Spirit leak? Perspective is everything, okay? I'm telling you, perspective is everything. We need to get a whole hold on our perspective. Can I say it's a wonderful thing? to understand perspective, what it means to truly serve Jesus. This is the biblical, what it means to serve Jesus. True service finds you being filled up at the gas station, filled up at the same time as you're pouring out. Do you know that's actually serving? Someone asked me the other day, we, I was doing something, they said, I bet you're exhausted, you're probably tired. I don't see you stop, you're going back and forth. We were at this party, and, and I said, no, actually, I'm... I'm revitalized. I feel, I feel energized by doing this because I see people having a good time. When I see someone burned out or desiring to serve or not desiring to serve, that's not to say that you don't desire to serve. Maybe you just haven't had the opportunity. 
Whatever it means to be burnout, I would ask two questions. Two questions, and then we're finished today. Where are you being a river? Are you listening online? Where are you being a river? People who have a wrong perspective on serving have found themselves becoming a swamp. I was in Louisiana this summer in the bayou. And when you walk by a swamp, it kind of smells, it kind of stinks. There's not a lot of life in it. There's really no alligators in the swamps. They're in the, they're in the rivers. What's, what's a swamp? A swamp is a, buck, uh, a, a hole of water that got water somehow from some other source, came into it, some kind of stream or river. It came into the swamp, and then guess what happened? You know, it never left. The water never left. And often we're swamps. We get from all kinds of places, podcasts and worship songs and church and all these places we get poured into, and then we never get it out, and we say, I feel tired. And are, are you being a swamp or are you being a river? A swamp doesn't let it flow and funnel through them. That's what a swamp does. It just sticks. It just stays stagnant. I would also ask this other question. Where are you being a river? And then the second question is, where do we get our motivation for worshiping, for serving God? For serving. Where do we get our motivation for serving God? Some of us get our motivation for serving God um, from other people watching us. I'm doing it so that they see me. I'm doing it because they asked me. I'm doing it because I'm supposed to. I'm doing it because uh, if you look real deep down, they're probably thinking it gives them some credit with God. Like, do I, get, do I get a few coins with you, God, because I served? Am I earning this with you? And that's the wrong perspective because when you do that, Eventually, the person that asked you or, or the reason that you're doing it won't satisfy anymore. It just doesn't because you don't earn anything with God when you serve. You don't. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't get you to heaven faster. But when you serve to worship God, when you give to worship, when you attend to worship, when you do anything, when your motivation is to worship how can I glorify you? How can I honor you, God? I want to honor you more. You realize, oh, dude, I can't do this enough. I honor you. And as I honor God, he pours it back into me. As I honor him, he pours it back into me. If we are serving to honor man, then we are mixed up and we become a swamp. I promise you, when you serve with the motivation to worship God, you become a river that he can work through. He comes in, it goes out, it comes back, it goes out, it just continues, continues instead of being poured out. And then I feel empty. Oh, I'm so empty. I'm so tired. I'm so burned out. Instead of feeling this way out of gas, you will be poured out, emptied, and refilled, and energized, and energized, and energized. Case in point. And I, 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 careful to say this because I don't want you to think I'm trying to, I'm just talking about my own life. I'll, I'll serve on a Sunday, I mean, I'll do my thing on a Sunday morning, and I'm tired. You know, Sunday's as known to be like the tired time. I don't know why Sundays are like this. I saw a, 
uh, TikTok, and it showed this, this couple, and their, uh, they leave church, and it shows them getting into their house, and they sprint. They both sprint the opposite ways uh, in their dress and suit, and they come out in their sweats, and they fall on the couch, and they fall asleep. And that's how most of us feel, and often I'll feel this way. But, you know, every other Sunday what I do is after, after um, I leave here, I come back a couple hours later and spend two or three hours with our youth because I love it, because it's, it energizes me, and because I do it to serve God and I realize how important they are. And I'm not asking anyone to take my place with it. In fact, I actually enjoy it, and I don't want you to take my place. We're having a great time. But I have figured out that as I pour out myself, I am refilled. When we take our eyes off ourselves, we find what it means when Jesus says, Hell, you want to find your life? Well, you got to lose it. Well, I don't want to lose my life. Well, you're never going to find it then. That's what Jesus said. Come up, uh, worship team, all of you, and smile behind me, okay? You can play that song. There's a definite, um, uh, now there's exceptions on some days, I said, on some Sundays for me. But Cynthia and I have found that when we give, we are given back 100-fold, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It happens for me all the time. That's why I always have something left to give. Because it's always poured back into me. And I'm like, how do I have anything? To get? I feel great. How come? And people will say, are, are, you got to be tired. No, I feel great because I keep getting poured back into it. And many of you feel the same way. That's what God does. That's the greatness of God. In conclusion, let me just summarize. There's a definite biblical mandate that the church is not a building. Everyone agrees. You don't have to say amen. But we're not a building. The church was a building, um, it would never last. The church is the people, the Bible says. It is a family of believers, it is a people who work as a living organism. That does not have orchard disease. They're not dead, they're living. We live by the Spirit. When we live by the Spirit, we have a bigger life. Give living Giving, living for the flesh is a smaller life. Living, yielding to the Spirit is a big life with big purpose. Oh, I wish I had more purpose. I wish I, I felt fulfilled. I wish I had a reason to get up in the morning. Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature uh, fruit is depression and sadness and loneliness and hopelessness and uh, anger and all those things we talked about. But the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, gentleness, kindness. That's what the world needs to see. Sing this song for us. I'll close with a prayer. We'll be out of here before 
back to that. God, I look to you. To you, I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. And God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. say, um, you upset? You, that's the farthest thing from my mind right now is not upset. When I talk to my kids, I'm not that, not like you're my kids or anything like that. But I have a, I have a responsibility to lead a church that, that furthers the kingdom. I said it in my sermon last week and I don't want to be that church. I don't want to build a church to build more smaller people. <laughs> we got to build the people we got. We got to build bigger people. If it's less and less people every week and bigger and bigger people, then that would be better. Then more and more people with smaller and smaller lives. That's my, it's my responsibility as a parent to tell my, to make sure my kids, just to remind them, remind them the rules, remind them how to find success in life. Maybe the, the comparison isn't the same, but I, I, I thought of that because I, I looked at my uh, text and my daughter's watching online and she said, ooh, roasted. And she does that when, when uh, she gets me on something like, I got you, roasted. So she's saying she felt roasted. And that's not, that's, God wants us to be, uh, what's the word? Holy Spirit says he wants us to be um, convicted, not condemned. So no one is condemned. Therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ for those who are in Jesus, right? That's a great verse. We don't got no condemnation. Double negative I said there, but we don't. But we have conviction, if the, and that's a good thing. Because Scott Philippi said that, I t and I repeated it last week. It, it's a bad thing we, we don't feel the Holy Spirit with us. Where did he go? If you feel it, then it's good. That means the Holy Spirit is close by. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And if you sense a conviction, it's because the Holy Spirit's there with you. If you sense nothing, then you ought, that's another problem too. Worst problem for you if you sense nothing. I'm going to say this prayer, and then I'm going to dismiss. Uh, there's all kinds of practical things you can If you've been impacted by this message, join those who so generously give so we can reach more people with the story of Jesus. Visit newsongcs.com slash give or text the word easy to 94000.